The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyze. We failed. But in the year of the spoiler war, it became something greater. Our last best hope for answers. The year is 2015. The show, Down Below. Good everyone, welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. Hi, man. And I'm Beth. It's just the three of us today, this time, ladies and gentlemen. I can't believe none of you guys wanted to guest on this. I know it was last minute, but still. Yeah. It's a good episode. Oh, it's going to be fun discussing it anyway. Yeah. And I'm sure we've got some feedback for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a document here. It's been a crazy day, folks. I guess so. Today we are here to discuss episode 15 of season 3, Interludes and Examinations. But first, here's an ISN special report. We bring you another ISN underground report, your trusted news source from the resistance. As our loyal listeners know, this is the only place to get news from Earth, untainted by President Clark's regime. Our covert reporters on Babylon 5 have reported huge news about the shadows, what most are calling the unknown race that has been aggressively targeting the non-aligned worlds. We have news that multiple Vorlon ships engaged the shadow vessels as they were attempting to attack the Brakiri homeworld. In a stunning victory, the Vorlons defeated the shadow vessels, a feat that most thought impossible. While this is great news, there are still many unanswered questions about the shadows. Chief among them, what do they want? They have made no demands of which we are aware, and appear to be indiscriminately destroying worlds without colonizing or stripping the planets for resources. And what of their relationship with the Centauri? Is there an alliance, and if so, what benefit are the shadows receiving? Many questions surround what appears to be a serious threat to galactic security, and we will do our best to get answers. The Flesh Pulp Podcast. Three to ten minutes of fiction brought to you thrice weekly. Two hundred miles below the surface of the Earth. At the terminus of a series of long sea caverns and interconnected shines. Under the shadow of the eternally bleeding eye, there is a crippled wreck of a man writing tales, stories of a dimension engulfed in madness. He is writing them of you. Think them all at fleshpulp.com or search for it on iTunes. (laughs) 
interludes and examinations, also known as the one where Kosh died. <laughs> Originally aired May 6, 1996. It was directed by Jesus Trevino, who last directed Six Transit Beer. It was written by JMS, who last wrote the last episode. <laughs> so, wow, we're getting there, man. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah, uh, they're really ramping up here. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> um, there was a commentary for this um, episode. It's yeah, spoilery. Some, but uh, it's not very insightful. But it was just fun because the cast commentary uh, with Bruce Boxleitner, Sheridan, Richard Biggs, Franklin, Jerry Doyle, Garibaldi, and Ed Wasser Morden. Oh, that's fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't listen to it this time around, but it's definitely a fun one. It sounded like they were having so much fun, and yeah, like every time one of them would show up on the screen for the first time, like, oh, who's that guy? And um, they called Ed Wesser like a GQ model. Yeah. <laughs> Just jumping around. Because they were doing um, this like a few years later, right? Right. Yeah. And I don't know, sometimes I got the impression they were watching like a couple of guys were maybe watching this episode for the first time <laughs> and they were kind of just like um like Jared Doyle is kind of like he what you would expect from Garibaldi like yeah, who's this hot lady walking down the stairs <laughs> like, yeah. but one thing um, JMS said was that he was talking about titles he said sometimes I put in deliberately dull titles just to lull you in and sneak up behind you and then bam. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't predict that it would be hard on us podcasters to remember what happened in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Fans down the line all vaguely remember the structure of each season, but really forget a lot of where the events take place. Yeah. And it doesn't help that the intended viewing order and the order on DVDs is completely different in places that is like this episode um, originally wasn't intended to be viewed in the place it is we're viewing it but after a few more episodes but we're going for the more original viewing experience for you guys you know there's not enough people know about the intended viewing order I think Really? So this mm. one was actually supposed to air a few weeks later? Well, um, basically, uh, some of the events are a little out of order here because it's clear some time has passed since the events of the last episode. I think it said 10 days, right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. And... I'm fairly certain. I might be wrong. It might be a couple of the other episodes later in the season, but I'm fairly certain it's this one. And some of the events that we're about to see are supposed to take place within those 10 days. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. But where we got it here, um, Jacquard brought into the secret meeting, and then straight away it's no longer secret meeting. Because now you've got random, like, crew members in the uh, war room. Uh, more that you've got a load of other ambassadors coming into the war room. Oh, that's where right they at, were coming into? Yeah, right at the end of this episode, the, those ambassadors were walking into the war room. Oh, whereas, okay. mm-hmm. you know, 
we only saw Jakar introduced to it in the last episode. Uh, in the other order, at least Jakar's got a bit of time in on a secret, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's get started with the recap. So, yeah, they built this war room set. The episode starts with a voiceover from Ivanova. It's August 3rd, 2260, 10 days since the shadows began attacking openly. Her voiceovers are better than Nina Heedy's voiceovers. Oh, dear, yeah. <laughs> this one was awesome. <laughs> Although, when I first saw Sarah Connor Chronicles, they reminded me of her one of her voiceovers. Uh, I can see. They This episode just really made everything seem so bleak and just terrible. Shadows have been hitting targets close to the rim. Seems pretty random. Things are crazy on B5. They had to hire more security to make sure the wrong kind of people don't get in. And while this is happening, you see some guy go meet up with Morden. Mm-hmm. Morden gives him some diamonds. Payment. <laughs> yeah, a little like medicine pill box full of diamonds. Morden is, in this episode, Morden just seems very like together. You know, like, he knows where to be at every moment, and I don't oh, know. Yeah. I, I don't know if the shadows are feeding him information or what. He just seems so knowledgeable about what's happening or where to go and what to do. He's got his own little spy network as well, because not only can he sneak aboard the station, but later on he gets news from this random guy, and you know what that is. You, you know straight away he's hearing the report about the Vorlons. Right, yeah. Also, he's able to hack into the um, lighting system on the station. Yeah, <laughs> <Make the lights laughs> exactly. <down. laughs> a little red mood lighting. Mm, yeah. Just gives a signal and the lights change. The red means I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> Ivanova says everyone's handling the stress well, but we see the stim junkie isn't. Oh. <laughs> I, I was disappointed to see that, though I think I, I ended up kind of liking what what happened with it. But yeah, you know what? Seeing Caution almost a week, and I'm thinking it's been a long, my, lot longer since we've seen him. Oh <laughs> yes, he, he comes back in this episode, and oh, only to die, just to die. Um, she's worried because Kosh is gone, and on the commentary, they're calling him the jukebox. <laughs> um. Lando's still Lando. He's running a suite, so he wants it filled with flowers because Adira's coming to visit. Wow, that was surprising. Remember her? Uh, <laughs> and if you didn't, there were plenty of flashbacks. Yeah, it's yep. black and white flashbacks. <laughs> they, um, as, uh, that reminds me, um, on the Sensei podcast earlier, we were talking about how they did flashbacks. I, sometimes you can't really tell it was a flashback at first. Mm. And I kind of compared it to the B5. <laughs> well, you always just... know it's a flashback because it's in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of us says everything's under control. They should be okay. We see Morden leaving a dead man's body. I guess he got what he needed from that guy. Yeah, and he can reuse those diamonds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I mean, he just had to kill him because he didn't want him to say anything, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Goes into his quarters in three... Shadow creatures appear. 
I think these are the same quarters he had before because these are the ones with like no bed or anything. No furniture. Mm, Probably yeah. sleeps on uh, sleeps on top of one of the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm just imagining him with a teddy bear that's actually you know shaped like a shadow. <laughs> I mean, do you think that? I mean, I guess it's bad. I really can't ask you guys, but like. It, I wonder if he just, they're always there with him. I guess it seems like they are, these spiders we definitely, or whatever. We definitely get that impression because later on when he has the conversation with uh, Londo, you can hear that sound effect that's there in this earlier scene when they appear. Yeah, when I did the commentary, I was like, is he able to hear them? Because I had my TV down so low I couldn't hear the sound effect, but yeah, you can hear them making noises. Mm. Oh, um, the commentary you did your TV low. Yeah. Oh, what we've been doing? Do you want to know? Why? We we just we would just plug one set of headphones into like our TV, and then we put over it like the headphones from the Skype thing. And ah, okay. Yeah, it works really well that way. It's kind of a pain, and you have to have something with like me. I have to have something with a really long cord, like headphones with a really long cord for my TV, yeah. but it works. Hmm. Try that next time. Yeah. Um. With the opening credits and the cast uh, doing the commentary, they're you know just making noises along with the music. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Big says it's his favorite opening sequence. Oh yeah. Yeah, I like it. Sheridan's meeting with two ambassadors, the Bukiri and the Gaim. Gaim, I think it is. Just, Gaim. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's what I wrote down anyway. It's um. It, it was um, a cool looking one too. <laughs> it was probably a reference to Neil Gaiman because you know, yeah, I think it is. Um, they're given in the commentary. They're just given this outfit such a hard time. They're like, can you imagine sitting and you know being in that? I can't remember the name they had for it. I like the sound work on this episode because not only have you got the whole thing with shadows, but the game ambassador here, you hear these clicking sounds and then you hear the translated voice. Yeah. Okay, I was wondering if that was what it was. Yeah. Um, uh, my impression is that what you're seeing is a environment suited, essentially. It's a lot more, it looks, a little, <laughs> looks more easier to maneuver in than um, cautiously. <laughs> Yeah. They, um, that's why that's sure why he... Kosh couldn't get away. <laughs> <laughs> Run, Kosh. <laughs> Sheridan can't believe that uh the Brakiri sided with the shadows. The shadows just wanted them to waste resources. The game 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 <laughs> or whatever. They're close enough to help, but they won't because they haven't been attacked yet and if they join sides they might get attacked, but They'll consider if Sheridan can show them they have equal power with the shadows. I mean, you want to get mad, but at the same time, you know, they're they're just trying to self-preservation. Yeah, looking out for themselves. Yeah, I mean, they're right. She, he, I don't know, is right. Like, if there might be a chance the shadows could pass them by, but if they join in, you know, the shadows aren't, aren't going to know. So, I how mean, many, I get it. Yeah, and how many wars have we seen where... One country says, we're not getting involved. And then something happens to drag them in later. 
Sure. Okay. Yeah. It's a hard decision. In Med Bay, Dr. Franklin's having a disagreement with another doctor. This is Dr. Lillian Hobbs, which is named after a real Dr. Lillian Hobbs, who was a fan of the show. Oh, really? How fun. I think she won an auction. Got to have a character named after her. I'm fairly certain we've seen Dr. Hobbs before, though. Really? Not sure. Maybe it's uh, her character leaves an impression on me. I'm, just a scene later on alone between her and Garibaldi, she leaves an impression on me. Is she a better doctor than Franklin? <laughs> <laughs> well, she's not right. high on Stim, so that's point one. <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, he gets cranky and makes a mistake and a patient almost dies. He snaps at Garibaldi and you know, the commentary like, yeah, I just wanted to know what you're having for lunch. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, he's trying to get the doctor's attention, and the doctor's just like, what? wait a minute. Mm. So, yeah, so uh-huh. Dr. Hobbs it's calls an, it's an infamous moment, really. <laughs> God, I, I didn't get the whole quote, but it was just so <laughs> awesome how crazy he was. <laughs> and, yeah, he says he doesn't care. In the commentary, you notice he's a little, like, scruffy in this episode. So in the commentary, they said it took him five weeks to grow that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end, he was, you know, pretty scruffy, yeah. for sure. So maybe his, maybe his chest is naturally bare then. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think they were joking about the five weeks. So, but <laughs> um, Londo has a black and white flashback to when Adira was there. Yeah. Told her to wear that jewel proudly as a free woman. Deer calls him till he could take a look at Adira's sweet. They kept calling him Flounder in the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> and they're saying that yeah, when he's on screen with you, you know, everybody kind of forgets about you because he's just so good with his mannerisms and his expressions. Who? Veer? Yeah, the guy that plays Veer. So he go Londo leaves and he runs into Morton. The lights dim. <laughs> Music starts playing now. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, like Morden knew exactly where he was going. I don't know why Londo was taking these creepy passageways, but Morden knew somehow. This is a passageway where Morden ran into Kosh. I don't think mm-hmm. it's probably not. Still, Morden- um, you called this. You, you said Morden wasn't done with Londo. Oh, yeah, Heidi's pr- prediction that Morden would show up in this episode was right. Yeah, like within like a few <laughs> seconds of it starting. I was, yeah, I was like sitting there like, mm. I said <laughs> five episodes, so I was completely wrong. No, but I like I like when Morden shows up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is where they called him the GQ model. He's upset that Reef is not returning his calls anymore, and the Centauri aren't fighting their border wars. I don't get, I mean, like, again... And I think it's touched on in this episode. They talk about it. Like, what is up with, like, the shadows? What do they want? You know, why do they care if the Centauri are returning their calls or not? You know? Hmm. Using the Centauri. And, you know, it's pointed out in this episode, it's not just the audience who aren't getting it. The characters aren't either. So it's not a problem with the storytelling it's deliberately being vague i mean i guess from you would think like if they were uh, so i was thinking because we've seen the centauri telepaths these are the ones that are trained from infancy and they can like sense each other across 
whatever seems space. Yeah, the Emperor's Telepath. Mm -hmm. But you would think that Rifa at least, or Londa would know if they were being used to control the shadows. So I'm assuming that they're not being used at this point to control the shadow ships. But I wonder if that's part of what they're wanting the Centauri for, maybe. I don't know. Well, Londo said in the, he knows that the, they were using them as agents of chaos. Mm-hmm. But just, that's such a vague line, though. can mean anything. I guess to just get everybody to not know what's happening or where things are going or to take the focus off the shadows. And, yeah. Hmm. I like how um, <laughs> Morden mentioned, uh, like... Remember we carved up the galaxy with that extremely intricate (laughs) (laughs) map system. Do you remember I had this whole pointer that could shoot fire? (laughs) Remember I just circled this big area over here and I circled this big area over here? Hello. (laughs) (laughs) This is yours and this is mine. (laughs) Morden warns Londo about putting himself between his associates and their objectives. And Londo says there's nothing else you could do to me. The shadow. After Londo leaves, the shadows say something, and Morton says they need Londo alive, and there are other ways. Yeah, why do they need Londo alive? Hmm. I kind of knew Adira was a little bit in danger here. I mean, I don't think it was a big stretch. Because, yeah. you know, piss Morton off and never say there's nothing, you know, I have nothing left. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a ticket to lose whatever you have left. Uh, Reese loves to chew on his bone right under the microphone. <laughs> um, next, we have a shirtless Dr. Franklin. You do? <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> see, it's kind of funny, really, because I'm, just, I'm sure I remember them making a comment on this in the commentary. Uh, you haven't heard the commentary in a while, but, you know. I'm not sure they actually... I think they were talking and didn't really say anything when this happened. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, they didn't point out specifically that he was shirtless. How, what were they doing? Like, why would you not? Uh, they were talking about... I think they may have still been talking about the previous thing. I don't remember. Uh-huh. I don't think they said... I don't think they said anything specifically about him being shirtless. They did... They kept joking about um, how, you know... the Franklin and Garibaldi's marriage was ending and whatever, like, like how they were fighting and they should have tried to get counseling to save their marriage and also about how Kosh and Sheridan's marriage was in trouble. <laughs> <They> were... <laughs> that was more like father-son thing. <laughs> well, almost literally later on. Yeah, yeah. So Garibaldi calls him out on how he behaved earlier and he's concerned and Franklin's more and more erratic and everybody's noticed one thing I noticed about this scene is Franklin Quarters has two doors so he can have someone around and if he gets a call up one of the doors he can sneak them out the other oh he has two doors? I didn't even notice yeah yeah. Um, d- two main doors I should say yeah um, yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. It's, it's something I only noticed uh, on this shot through but <laughs> you've not seen that in other quarters. Uh, even um, Sheridan and um, Ivanova's quarters, they've got a partition in between the bedding area and the um, main lounge area. And you kind of get an idea there could be a partition here, but 
on the side where um, Franklin comes out of the shower, there's a door um, to the outside, an external door, and Garibaldi comes in the other door from the other side of the room. Hmm. I wonder why he gets that. I think they mentioned, like in, in Buffy season four, their room had two doors, and I think they said, well, this could be like for like for a body French farce. And that would be- <laughs> <laughs> Garibaldi doesn't want to have to go around Franklin to do his job, and Franklin says, do what you need to do. So in the war room, yeah, Delenn and Sheridan talk about the shadow attacks. When Delenn walks in, I think it was when Delenn walked in, Jerry Dill says, thousands and thousands of years ago. (laughs) 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 And I think there were multiple times where they were just kind of making fun of her long monologues. They were just, you know, they kept saying she does a great job at them, but yeah. Yeah. And when, um. I know, she's not given any favors for some of the stuff she has to do. <laughs> on the Babylon uh, podcast, I keep on saying she she's getting her PowerPoint presentation out. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they said that there was one director, like whenever she had to do that, he was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna go sit in the corner." <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, shadows are attacking and not securing the area. Um, the lens says it's the same pattern they used a thousand years ago, keeping the major powers off guard. Again, why wouldn't you bring this up before? I don't know. Sharon knows I need to organize. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, are you just now saying <laughs> <No>. this? <laughs> uh, they need to organize as many races as possible into a cohesive force, something that's never been done before. Well, I kind of yeah. like how it's not, like, super easy, you know? Yeah. Which makes sense that it would take a lot of, like you said, stacking marbles in a corner, you know? Sorry if I'm taking somebody's quote, but... It makes sense. I mean, they have their own past and history and, you know, just getting them on board. I'm sure it's going to be a lot faster than it normally would have, but, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, and he got um, a human coming along telling you you should work together when they've only been on the scene for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, who are you? And I have in parentheses in my notes, where's Clarence? <laughs> How yeah, I think I said that in the commentary. Like, where's Clarence? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seen him in at least like three episodes, right? I feel like after his like lovely episode, and then he just it just nothing happened. And there were a couple of times in this episode where he could have said the line rather than some random guy. Yeah, I know. I guess they don't let him out of C and C. But, um, yeah, they need to figure out how to get one victory against the shadows and hopefully make the others come around and then tells you, you'll figure something out. Yeah, and then walks away. <laughs> and he realizes that she's talking like Kosh and has an idea. But are they trying to say that she was doing that on purpose? I don't know, but the, someone was, there was in the Lurker's Guide, someone asked JMS a question because when, I guess it was this scene where Sheridan was kind of wondering... Um, why the shadows are doing what they're doing. She, uh, she kind of looks like she's deliberately trying not to say something. And JMS was saying, yeah, Delyn knows more than what she's saying. Really? Yeah, that's it's pretty like, oh, typical. But I'm just yes. wondering, yeah, I mean, did she, like, did she go, okay, well, I have to steer him towards getting caution into this, you know? I wonder. Mm. By being cryptic. And I'll remind him of Kosh. I should just say, go talk to Kai. I know. <laughs> yeah, but she's still a Membari, and uh, she still <laughs> thinks she can't actually do all these things. She's got to manipulate other people into doing them. 
guess so. Trained well by Kosh. Mm-hmm. So Garibaldi goes to see uh, Doctor Jacobs, not Doctor Hobbs. Sorry. Um, Who's Doctor Jacob? <laughs> I don't know. He's even made um, lab four. That's who Doctor Jacobs is. So I was thinking Lily and Jacob. Is that a character on another show? I'll look it up. Lily and Hobbs. Um, well, yeah, she makes this... it comes up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, she makes a comment about a paperless society, which I'm kind of surprised to hear that from back in '96. But mm. well, it's JMS predicting, you know, how things will go. Okay, okay, hold on. There is a Lillian Jacob that wrote Fifty Shades of Oz. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't say uh, for sure that unless I look at this. That is like a porno um, Oz. Oh, it looks, yeah, it is. There's Instead of red, um, instead of like, you know, sort of little pumps, it's like major red high heel stilettos on the cover. Uh, okay. Oh, dear. Oh, there's Fifty Shades of Gatsby. Uh. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, sorry. Down a <laughs> rabbit hole here. But she wrote that one as well. Well, that's what you were thinking of, Will. That's what you were thinking of. Okay, she's going to make a whole career out of rewriting these books. Kind of like how the guy, what he said. Gregory Maguire? Yeah, Gregory. No. He did the um, Wicked and... Mm. But those at least are a bit more original. Yeah. I I would be surprised if she ends up writing something like... um, uh, And I'm blanking on the book now. Brilliant. Thinking about the guy that wrote Abraham Lincoln's Vampire. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the tons of those. Um, Sense and sensibility and sea monsters, I think. Mm-hmm. No, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, Pride and Prejudice and zombies. Yeah. zombies. The sea monsters one might have been somebody else, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Garibaldi checked the tapes, and Franklin did make a mistake, and wants to check the blood samples that they, the medical staff takes regularly, but. Doctor's not going to help him, but she does tell him where to find it in the system, though. I'm glad she didn't help him, you know? Even though it would have made it easier. It's like, you know, that that's just take her job seriously as a doctor. Yeah, I mean, it's a simple scene, but you get a lot about her character in this. She's got integrity. She doesn't always agree with Franklin and the way he does things, but she respects him, and he's his friend even though we haven't seen any of that yet you, you, you got in one scene and in very few lines the outline of an interesting character mm-hmm. yeah yeah I did like her yeah so in the commentary they thought this doctor was going to be in the spin off crusade but they ended up going with somebody else oh no they wanted her they wanted this character but oh. she was on a different job at the time I believe okay. So this is where they spun it off around this time. No, no but uh, basically, JMS liked this actor and the character she portrayed, and mm-hmm. wanted to bring her back for Crusade. But oh, okay. things didn't work out. Yeah, so Garibaldi leaves, and Franklin sees him. It's <laughs> 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 the look on Franklin's face. Beer is ordering some stuff for Lando, including some Bravari. Mm-hmm. That's the drink, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sees Morden and tries to avoid him, but Beer says Morden can't help him. 
Oh yeah, well Veer, that was awesome. Yeah, it's it's always awesome when you get this Veer and Morden interaction, you know. Morden sneaks around and goes sees the salesman that Veer's talking to and gets some information from him. And he had that quintessential Morden smile at the end there. Yeah. Yeah. Smile gets everybody. <laughs> Except for Veer. Veer is immune yes, to his powers. <laughs> Garibaldi goes to Med Lab and starts to look at Franklin's blood, saying what changes his mind. Franklin catches him. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, Med Lab here is completely empty as well. <laughs> this one, yeah. Yeah. He, um, explains why he didn't do it. Since Franklin must know the truth, but when Franklin says he already ran the test himself to prove Garibaldi was wrong, but his Garibaldi was right, so what's Stephen gonna do about it? So he really finally... didn't think he was addicted. No. Pretty bad. He was in denial, he really was. Um, yeah, he's finally admitting he's got a problem. And he actually does something about it later. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this was probably my favorite scene in the episode where Sheridan tries to convince Kosh to help. Yeah. Uh, and... Yeah. Was, uh, wow. Saying everything we've been saying. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of good quotes in here, but he's, you know, you're just running around being cryptic all the time. <laughs> and mm. Not doing anything, letting other people die. And Kosh is, he gets mad and lashes out at Sheridan a few times. And Sheridan's like, go ahead and kill me. It's the only way you're going to leave. Oh, what's the one part where he says, don't turn your, don't walk away from me? <laughs> That was when yeah, the cast was like, man, this is marriage is going bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, although, apart from that bit where, yeah, Kosh can't exactly walk away from him quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a few good moments here where, you know, Kosh, he can read emotions into that eyepiece, how it contracts. Uh, it, it, you can sense the anger, and it's a simple action of an iris closing. Oh. This giant, um, unwieldy thing, and all you need to convey emotion is a motorized iris. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. It were, remind me if we knew that Kosh can, like, has some kind of, what is it, telepathy or. Yeah, we've never seen him use it before. However, the effects that that was used were exactly the same as what Sebastian used. Yeah. So it could be a psychic attack, or it could be technology inside the suit. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a mystery at this point. In the end, it's most likely telepathy because of what happens at the end. But oh. there's still mystery there, right? I think, you know, and there is a power build-up. Yeah, yeah, they do get the energy surge. Mm. So I kind, of, I kind of take it that it's a mixture of both. He's using telepathy to do some things, and then he's using the power of the suit to do others. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sheridan was just basically like he had nothing to lose. You know, he just... yeah, he was trying to provoke him. Hmm. But he didn't yeah. say he's got nothing to lose exactly, did No, he did. Sorry, I was going to say he didn't make the Londo mistake. 
He did, though. <laughs> well, he's like, kill me, you know? It's like, okay. Yes, he did. He gets force choked by Kosh. <laughs> it was the Darth Vader moment, I guess. <laughs> oh my god, no. he is his father! Oh, <laughs> yeah, um, it, and it's a scene worth going back to again, because you can... Even just after this episode, because you can read other things into what the what Sheridan is saying, and Kosh hardly says anything at all. And even those lines can be interpreted a couple of different ways, but it's when Kosh decides to act on what Sheridan says, and those actions have different meanings to them. You really do. It's, it's kind of interesting when you watch it a second time knowing everything else that's gonna go on and I can't say too much right but okay remind me so Kosh told him before I guess that if he went to Zaha Doom he would die yeah he said that that I don't even remember Uh, when they first revealed um, the whole thing about the shadows and who Mulden was Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it was only about Sheridan. Sheridan, in that episode, said he was going to go to Zahadim. And then in this one, it reinforced again. This time, Kosh says, if you go to Zahadim, you will die. Okay, so he didn't say that before? I think he did. It's just um, said slightly differently last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so... When Kosh agrees, he did say there would be a price. He won't be there to help when Sheridan goes to Zaha Doom. Sheridan's like, okay, you want to keep your help for me? And Kosh is like, no, that's not what I meant. <laughs> what you... <laughs> oh, yeah. Soon, I guess. How many, like, words hurt? <laughs> Kosh got in a lot of... He got, well, he didn't say much, but he still said kind of a lot compared to how much he normally says. Oh, yeah. this kind of, like, harken back to, I guess, the Gethsemane episode about knowing you're going to die and still having to make that choice, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, there's certain themes in Babylon 5 that are repeated um, and looked at from different points of view. Mm-hmm. Mm. So in the war room, another shadow attack in Rikiri spaces just happened and the wind leads a bunch of ambassadors in. Yeah, and in Vakiri space, the Vorlons show up and whoop some shadow butt. Yeah, the Vorlons. So that's a lot of Vorlon ships, okay? But yeah. like, oh, it is. Yeah, they had the main ships, and they had like little, little other. Uh... Yeah, yeah. You, you, from what I saw, there were three sizes of ships. You saw the ships we've seen before, like um, Kosh's ship. Mm-hmm. We've seen those rooms before. Right. You've got, you had smaller fighters that looked like a miniature version of those ships. And mm-hmm. then you had the big ship. I think there may be one or two of those with with those tentacle arms on them. Oh, okay. It kind of reminded me of how the shadows are, too. Like, the shadows have the big ships and then the small ships that look like the, the big ships, you know? Mm. And it's yeah. almost like two... Because to me, like... The Vorlon ship is kind of like a living ship, and then the the spider ships are kind of like living ships too. Yeah, like, they, they they definitely are. 
love the part when the Vorlai ship kind of went through the shadow ship. <laughs> yeah. So they're monitoring this fight back in the war room, and they're happy that they're winning. I mean, they're winning easily. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just weird. Like, they really just didn't want to show themselves yet because they, because Kosh knew that he would die, or because that's it, that's all they have. Or I mean, it's just, it's interesting. Yeah, I feel like they're not powerful enough to take on the entire the shadows head to head. Yeah, and they're just afraid to, afraid to die. At least Kosh was. Yeah. Um. There's actually another little nice bit in this fight sequence where. The shadow ship gets a shot off at one of the big ships and it just grazes it down the side and it looks like a wound rather than a scorch mark. Mm. Again, it's that whole idea of these are two organic ships fighting one another. Yeah. Uh, and again, that the way they were fighting, the way they were moving felt very organic as well. Almost like Two shoals of fish biting one another in, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, did you guys the, notice the the screen? You know, they were watching the stuff on the screen, yeah. and they had mm. VOR and then SHA. <laughs> yeah. But the Vorlons had like the spidery looking um, icons. It was so weird. It was like the shadows uh, were a triangle, and then the Vorlon icon looked like spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know why they did that. So Lando and Veer are waiting for Adira to arrive, and Lando remembers what it's like to be happy. But there's no one else getting off the ship. There's just one bald guy who ignores <laughs> Lando. And, yeah, and screams, assassin, straight away. <laughs> yeah. Bald people are evil. <laughs> <laughs> there's a body brought off, and it's Adira. I can't find any signs of foul play. Lando flashes back to his conversation with Rifa about poison. He tells him to check her for poison. Lando cries. Yeah. I mean, I was a little surprised he didn't uh, at least think might be Morden, since he had just had an yeah. altercation with Morden. But... The boy lads all go back home, and we see Morden giving that guy, the bald guy, some money. And after this, he gets a report, which we presume mm-hmm. is about the Vorlon victory. And that face, it, after we know what happens in the rest of this episode, that face is, I'm gonna kill him! And I think this was another voiceover where Ivanova said, no, this is just her talking to Sheridan. Uh, yeah, every ambassador's ready to sign on. And he wants to go see Kosh, but Ivanova tells him to get some sleep first. I think Ivanova just saved his life there because if Sheridan was in that room when the shadows came in, he would have died. I wonder if they would have. Then why don't they just kill him? It doesn't seem that hard to get to somebody on this ship. (laughs) Yeah, so Morden breaks into Kasha's quarters with his shadow buddies. (laughs) Apparently, um, JMS had told them that a major character was going to die, so they're all kind of wondering who it was going to (laughs) be, kind of worried. Oh, he didn't even say who it was. They were all worried about their their own job. So Sheridan's getting a dream from his dad while the attack is going on in Kosh's quarters. This was great. Kosh, yeah, at least Kosh put up a fight. And Rance Howard was just awesome in this scene. Yeah, it, it's, it's really moving and worth going back to almost straight away. After you see it, you can go back, listen 
again, and oh, fantastic. What he was saying, if you didn't realize what was happening the first time, I don't know how much they were joking or if they were joking. I'm not sure they were always joking, but the cast sounded like they were figuring out for the first time that it was Kosh's dad. (laughs) Kevin Kosh was his dad. What? Yeah, because Bruce Butler was like, you know, I probably had like 10 other scenes to do that day. I just didn't think about it. And Jerry Doyle is like, you know what's boring about this? All the fans figured this stuff out 20 years ago. We're just now figuring this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Koshel shared that he was right and he was prideful and scared to die. But, you know, it had to be done. But Sheridan shouldn't blame himself for what happened later. He apologizes for what he did earlier. And if he could have done more and said more. It's Father's Day today in the United States. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's time that sh- it is time that Sheridan fought the war his own way, and says as long as Sheridan's there, he'll always be there. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Similar to what he said in the free episode. So, like I have Kosh no idea is- how they killed Kosh, you know, or why. I mean, why they had to wait until after the the Vorlons, you know, fought them to do it. You know, like why why they had to wait? Why wouldn't they just do it? Mm. When they first knew who was so, there. Just, I never had any motivation to yeah. kill him. So this was just revenge for him getting involved. I guess they knew that he got involved. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you should note, uh, by the way, the the effect on this, I think, uh, as Kosh dies, there's a ripple of energy that passes through the station. Yeah. Um, it's just really interesting decision and it's a big event to kill a ball on. Yeah. I still don't know how they did it. I mean, are these how are these spider ghosts? Like, I don't get it at all. I mean, we know that they're, they actually exist because they saw them on some kind of tape before. Yeah. So, I guess they're just, ah, oh, so weird. I should have seen more of the fight, but maybe it was more effective. To I think it's fight. more effective this way because it leaves mystery there, and 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 the scene between Kosh and Sheridan in the dream sequence mm-hmm. is, is fantastic. I think Sheridan calls maybe it would have looked awkward, Will, to have Warlon in his encounter suit trying to fight. Yeah. I. Just getting the impression that maybe that he, I don't know, he came out. Or yeah, I think off. that's what I thought as well. Oh, then, uh, then probably they didn't have the budget. Yeah. Sheridan calls for Kosh when he wakes up and we're in the Oh, but that, sorry. Yeah. That begs the question what do the shadows see when the Vorlon is out of their encounter suit? Hmm. I'm gonna guess that. Vorlons probably weren't able to manipulate them. So they would see what they actually are. Yeah. Hmm, maybe we're not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be able to understand it if we saw it. <laughs> no, of course. JMS didn't show it to us. <laughs> <laughs> so the next day or, or later on, Garibaldi says they can't find anything. Nobody looks like the place went through the war. And Kasha's helmet sitting on the table. <laughs> they call that the toilet bowl, apparently. <laughs> Uh, the Vorlons want this to be kept a secret because it might, you know, shatter this alliance and they're mourning for him. 
him. Yeah, this is why he couldn't be there at Zaha Doom. He knew this would have happened. Mm-hmm. The Vorlons want his encounter suit and everything that is his to be placed in his ship. And does he have a lot? He saw he had that nice TV in his quarters. Mm-hmm. Is that changing screen? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we didn't see her in this episode, but technically, Letas is attaché. Hmm. <laughs> uh, in the ship. Yeah, uh, it, it, that <laughs> would be creepy. <laughs> so, yeah. Apparently, this was the first scene they shot in this episode early in the morning, and they had no idea what this episode was about when <laughs> they shot this scene of uh, Morning Kosh, whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mondo knows that Adira was poisoned. He thinks Morden might know something about it. He says that Rifa mentioned something about even the score, and if Rifa hadn't stopped returning my calls, I might have been able to stop it. <laughs> Oh, Londo, come on. Just fell right into this. But again, so, it begs the question, What? why do they need Londo, you know, on their side or to be asking them for things, you know? I don't get it. I don't understand. And what power does Londo um, really have? Oh, oh, I nearly I nearly took a quote. Oh, I, I don't mind. Um, no, Will might remind it. No, it's fine. <laughs> Oh, I was just going to say, understanding is a three-edged sword. Yeah. Yep, got it. Makes sense. <laughs> and that's another reason why I think um, episodes might have been switched around, because I think that line is used in a future episode, and I think that's where um, Sheridan hears it from. I mean, are you saying because... When when did he first use it? Was it in the first season? No. no I think Kosh used it maybe when he was talking to Talia. Something like that, yeah. It's just we okay. haven't seen Sheridan encounter that phrase. Maybe Talia told him about it. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. So Londo thinks he might have signed a dearest death warrant when he gave her that jewel. Now he wants his revenge. He doesn't care about the rest of the galaxy. He just wants to strike down his enemies yeah he wants selfish. yeah well he said <laughs> he said he wants revenge and then but he also wants you know i guess his people to be safe but other than that like everybody oh, yeah. else can basically go to hell yeah he's in mourning and this is the worst time to not be making decisions like this mm-hmm. sheridan goes to see franklin franklin admits he's been taking too many stems and resigns as chief of med lab Gotta go figure some things out. Sheridan looked surprised, so I guess it wasn't that obvious to everybody. Well, not everybody oh, Sheridan's Sheridan. been distracted with other things, hasn't he? Yeah, but he, he made it seem like, oh, you know, I guess you have noticed that I haven't been doing that good of a job or something like that. And Sheridan's like, huh? Okay, I was just trying to ignore that. <laughs> now you're bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> Making this awkward, Stephen. Yeah, and he also said, he, you know, that he's been concentrating on the job and try, you know, he's been saying some of the things you've ha- been having problems with his character that he's been trying to fix everything and trying to, you know, control a lot of things really. And he doesn't know who he is anymore. So we'll have to see whether this actually changes his character at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, Kasha's ships leave. His ship leaves with his belongings. I think was Ivana tearing up in this thing. I didn't Maybe notice. Well, remember she's latently psychic and she's stood next to that ship a little bit. So I think, you know, she is actually grieving a bit more than other people would because I think on a subconscious level she's got more of a connection with um, Kosh and his ship than some other people. Yeah, um, ship it. Sorry, I was going to say, I wonder if... Basically, it was saying what the ship was made for him, and it can't live without him. So I wonder if also that's kind of similar to how the spider ships work. You know, you have to have like an organic, like creature. Yeah, it, it sounds very similar to me. It, it, it sounds like there's a big difference, though. That um, this Volon ship was made for Ambassador Kosh and. It seems far more symbiotic a relationship, whereas right. everything we've heard about the shadow ships, it's almost like a um, parasite, you know, using, although, the, you know, the shadow ships are far bigger than a human person, it, it is using that, it's, I'm trying to find the right word, it's a parasite, consuming its host almost so Kasha's ship is going to perform its last duty remember if Kasha's heading off into the nearest star aww it's an episode yeah they were saying Bill uh well mixing up somebody yeah Bill Blairson's episode on the commentary they were saying that they never had a long day on the show they always had a home life and got to go home like after B5 they are doing stuff where they are out working till like 3 or 4 in the morning Oh, yeah, because they didn't really... I mean, you don't have any exterior night shots or anything. It's all taking place on stage. Yeah, yeah. they're always very efficient. I know one, they said, I think it was like maybe fifth season where they switched from like seven days you know, for each episode to six days. Oh, yeah, it's pretty good. When you don't have any locations, it does, it does help things. Um, let's see, some notes there say, Gemma said that, yeah, this did hurt, um... Apparently they showed this at a screening and Patricia Tolman, who plays Lita, was there and she was just devastated and his crew went and talked to him for a day or so after the script came out. Mm. So that was proof that he did the right thing. <laughs> and he's, uh, yeah, you noted how the mentor always dies in these kind of stories. These sagas. Yeah. He's, you know, the standard mental cliche thing, but at the same time, it feels right for this story. It's right for Kosh to die, but it's a big thing. I think he said somewhere that um, he wasn't um, planning on doing it, but you know how a lot of writers say that their characters tell them what to do? Mm-hmm. He said that Kosh told him to do this. And <laughs> to kill him. Trust <laughs> Kosh. <laughs> Something like that. Mm. Why wasn't a soul hunter present at Kosh's death? Because it was very sudden and they learned the hard way to leave the Vorlons alone. Oh, oh somebody asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently there is a scene cut out where there's a ranger following more. There's a ranger in the credits where they had to cut the scene and uh, the ranger ends up being killed by the shadows. Oh. oh. I didn't know that bit. <laughs> oh. For time. Um, 
Crushed that fighting. And yeah, so why would, why was this different than when, you know, they had that first fight? Uh, they were not prepared to kill him. That was more of a territorial squabble. This was retribution. Kosh did hurt them, but he didn't take any of them out. What do you mean? Oh, during the fight, he said, this is saying that Kosh hurt them, but he didn't kill any of them, I suppose. In the yeah. first fight. No, in this fight. Oh, okay. And, in the, like, fight with the ghost spider thingy? Yeah. Huh. How could you tell they were hurt? Oh, no, this is just asking. People were just asking oh. questions. Did Kosh project to delay in Jakar or anyone else besides Sheridan? No. Clarence. <laughs> Did Garibaldi ever get a chance to speak with Kosh about the data crystal as hinted at? Oh, it was, it was when, um, you have the episode where Talia left. It seems like Garibaldi had something in mind about the, like he knew something, but he said that, yeah, Garibaldi did talk to. Yeah, I always have my fan theory that, yeah, that happened. I have no idea what that is. (laughs) I don't remember. Reflection, terror for the future, something like that. Yeah, they kind of recorded something from Talia in the first season. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, I don't remember Garibaldi getting that. Okay, it's been a long Well, uh, yeah, uh, Garibaldi said um, that he might have some options. He just needs to talk to someone. That someone would have had to be Kosh. Besides being extremely old, was Kosh an average Vorline or particularly special in terms of strength, skill, or status? Or status? No other ambassador on the station has demonstrated the cloud. What is, what is he saying? Oh, well, his answer was that he was well regarded. So I guess he wasn't special in terms of like strength or skill or anything like that. He was, but he was one of the older Vorlines. He just pointed out that. Um, I don't know, how old do you think Kosh is, Ian? I just I always figured he was probably millions or billions of years. I, I would definitely go in millions of years range. Maybe not billions of years, but definitely millions. Yeah, it's like, no wonder he didn't want to go. All right, that's all the notes I have. Do we have any quotes? 13, 13, 13! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> or, okay, wait. Remind me what the the I have a wait, hold on. I have a couple written down, but sometimes I like to supplement that with looking at the quotes on IMDb. But I don't remember the name of this episode. Um, interludes and examinations. Okay. Well, I do have one. <clears throat> Quite. It's Morden and Londo. If you violate the terms of our agreement, my associates may turn their eye to the Centauri homeworld. Londo, then we will pluck it out. Have Sheridan up yours. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why did he say stroke off? Come on. Oh, well. I think stroke off is out of style by. No. Totally years later. Uh, then there's the um, procurer that Veer was talking to. You can't go wrong with garters. Well, you might. I mean, st- spoken like a true man who doesn't have to wear them. <laughs> <laughs> um, Avivanova, when the Vorlon goes to ground, I worry. Yeah. Then, of course, Sheridan. Unless you get off your countersuited. Sorry, I've got that wrong. Unless you get your. Unless you get off your countersuited butts and do something, I've got nothing to live for. 
Okay, there is a quote on IMDb from a gag reel. Really? It's uh, Veer is talking to Londo through the uh, the Babcom. Says Ambassador, like, yes, Veer. What is it? You asked me to remind you about Aldira's suit. Londo smiling. Yes, Veer to the stage crew. Her name's not Aldira, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who is. Uh, let's do our characters of the week. Who is our human of the week? Oh, I think it's between two. Uh, it's either Morden or Sheridan in this, mm-hmm. or Franklin, because uh, Franklin uh, was pretty. Uh, Franklin was shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! I think I go with Sheridan. Um, I, I, I actually with Sheridan <laughs> or Morden. I mean, Franklin. Yeah, he, he actually was okay. He was pretty good in this episode. But Sheridan did um yell at Lon. I mean, at, at Kosh, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, 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 and likewise, Kosh has to be the alien of the week. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that scene alone kind of wins it for both of them. Give it to. Sheridan's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence. No. Okay. <laughs> it would be weird if Clarence came to a ministry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Clarence is actually the secret, um, uh, what's it, of Kosh. That's what Borlands really yeah. like, Clarence. <laughs> yeah. He's been hiding there all <laughs> these three seasons. <laughs> That's why he's not in this episode. Oh, do you ever see Clarence and Kosh in the same place at the same time? <laughs> I don't think so. No, Kosh wants to date uh, one of them. Uh, he wants something. From, yeah. So, yeah, Sheridan, I'll call it for Sheridan and Kosh. So let's do ratings. <laughs> Who's our guest? No. <laughs> <laughs> Reese, you want to rate this episode? And my dog let's is let Reese active in. right now. Yeah. Let's let Reese and Dexter uh, rate the episode. <laughs> I want to go first. Oh, yes. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Wow. This was a great episode. I mean, seriously. Um, It had so much stuff in it. And wow, a lot lot happened. I mean, even the stim stuff, which I think we were were really dreading, Heidi and I, it wasn't bad. It was, you know, was kind of, they addressed it. They didn't drag it on too long. And it was pretty powerful, like some of those scenes. And the Akash and Sheridan scene was amazing and I mean even though we were missing some characters it was it was so much happened um I mean I really can't give it anything but a 10 and I have a really long rating system okay so um my hold on write this down my rating system is 10 out of 10 Karaoke renditions of I've Never Been to Me by Charlene as performed by Franklin after he leaves his post at the Babylon Five. Oh. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How about you, Ian? Uh, yeah, I've lo- I love this episode. I- I- I'm saying this a lot this season, but it's got so many good episodes in it. And this has two great scenes between Kosh and uh, I almost said Sinclair and Sheridan. Uh, uh, 
the actors in this do a great job. You've got Lando and Morden having brilliant scenes together as well. And the Stimmer Dixon stuff doesn't go fully down the stereotypical route of Franklin completely falling apart. He comes to a realisation about his own addiction and he deals with it. It's not always the case for everyone, but it's a nice way of doing that storyline and it works for the character. And these storylines are separate in this episode. They don't exactly weave together, but they're all playing off very similar themes and the episode works really well because of it. So I'm going to have to go 9 out of 10 squid chips. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I really enjoyed the episode as well. The um, yeah, the Franklin stuff didn't bother me like it could have. I think it maybe provided some unintentional humor that I liked. <laughs> 13, 13, 13. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was a really great episode. And yeah, I'll give it nine and a half out of 10 broken marriages. <laughs> you have to watch the commentary to get that. And uh, now we just need to um, get Heidi's and we'll have a full set. So let's get on Kasha's ship and head to Feedback Land before it goes off into a star. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but first, we have some thoughts from Heidi. We're going to put them right here. Hey, guys. Here is my running commentary for this episode. Whoa, spiders right from the get-go. Love the Ivanova voiceover. How can Borden be there and not be recognized? Also, yay for my prediction, be accurate. Next episode, I was right. Franklin handles stress really well, doesn't he? I wouldn't think it would be weird not to see Kosh for a week. We don't see him for months at a time, right? Oh, Adira is coming back. That surprises me. Ew, spiders. On Babylon 5. And ew. That alien looks like a fly. Be careful, fly alien. You'll be noticed by the spiders without helping those other people. Oh, great. Here comes the breakdown for Franklin. Uh Uh-oh. Morden is there to see Londo. Not good. I don't think I've ever noticed the light shining through Londo's hair before. It's very distracting. Wow, standing up to Morden. That can't end well. And with spiders in the room, did Morden just tell the spiders no? How could he order them around? Even no-shirted Dr. Franklin does not make this story okay. They've already had a victory or two against the Shadows. Can't they use the same tactic again? Like the hyperspace thingy? Here's my quote. Every day, people around here start talking more and more like Kosh. Fear ordering things for Adira is adorable. And another great quote. Fear gives it to Morden again. I'm sure this one has been said, though, so I'll skip it. I guess I'm glad that Franklin realized he had a problem on his own. Whoa, Sheridan yelling at Kosh. That was a crazy scene. 
And no, Kosh, he doesn't understand. Neither do we, if that's the point. And why do you talk in riddles? Is Delenn bringing the other races in for a tour? Poor Londo. I bet Adira is dead. And yes. Wow, the spiders disintegrated Kosh. That was crazy. Kosh apparently likes to appear to people as their fathers. Morden, you slime ball. Lado, don't fall for this crap. Franklin quit, but where will he find people to inappropriately touch their faces now? Aw, Kosh's ship is sad. I'm sad to see him and his crypticness go. I wonder who his replacement will be. Um, favorites, human, Sheridan, alien, Kosh, dear. See, my cat's crying about it, too. Rating, I really liked this one aside from Franklin's story, and I'm sad I couldn't be there to discuss it with you guys. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. We finally get a Kosh episode and he dies. Um, I don't know what the next episode is called, so I won't give predictions on that. Um... Hopefully we'll see Kasha's replacement soon because that really intrigues me. And until next time. Bye. And next we have an email from Lori and Carl. I'll take this one. So Lori and Carl say, hello, ambassadors, commander and visitor. I have forgotten which episode this was. And as I slowly realized, I got sadder throughout the episode, knowing what would happen to Adira and how Londo would react. I don't think we talked about that as much as we talked about Kosh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, Adira was only in one episode, so what's that? Yeah, it's it's kind of more sad that we didn't see more of a character before she was right. written off. And that was before I even remember what happened to Kosh as well. Having two such events in one episode was really heartbreaking. Carl guessed early on that Morden would cause something terrible to happen to Adira, but was completely shocked about Kosh. The Franklin storyline was not bad. It was good to see it progress, and both Franklin and Garibaldi played the parts well, but it did not stand out compared to the rest. I know Carl, I know that Carl was very interested in seeing Morden back, and I am guessing Heidi and Elizabeth were too. Carl is continuing to speculate about the motivations of the shadows. His current views are, what they are doing does not seem to make sense strategically, so they must have some sort of political agenda. They may need to create chaos to unify their own people by sending a common enemy to fight against. They don't want to destroy everything and win. They enjoy the chaos and what they are doing creates. What the Borlons do to the shadows with winning one victory is parallel to what Sheridan did in the war, the one victory. Carl did predict that taunting Kosh would be a mistake and there would be bad repercussions. It was interesting that Kosh spoke to Sheridan as his dad very similar to Jakar's experience, which Anka mentioned in the commentary. Carl felt it was particularly well done that Kosh suddenly had much more character development showing sadness and anger and fear before what happened. Carl does think that even though Kosh is gone, maybe he is somehow still in existence since we do not know how Vorlons live and die, and there was the comparison to Merlin. Mm. Also, how do Vorlons know so much about the future? What do the ambassadors think? Ooh, that's a good point. About the Merlin thing. Hmm. We did not quite understand why Londo did not suspect Morden. He was obviously responsible for Adira's death, but perhaps it was because Morden was on B5 when it happened. Londo should realize at this point how powerful Morden is. 
how this continued to change Lando? Did he just lose another chance at redemption? Yeah, it seems like. Quotes, Kosh, you do not understand, but you will. And Kosh from Carl. <laughs> Kosh. <laughs> Ratings, Lori, 9 out of 10, ships without host. Alien, Kosh, human, Sheridan. Carl's ratings are a bit different this week. Rating, negative five and plus five. RIP, never forget. Mm. Best Flora, Kosh, best set, Kosh, <laughs> best wooing, Kosh, <laughs> best ship, Kosh, best sadness, Kosh, best foreshadowing, Kosh, human, Kosh, <laughs> alien, Kosh, <laughs> best ominous foreshadowy dude, Kosh. <laughs> Thanks, guys, <laughs> Lord and Carl. Oh, Carl, what are you going to do? Kosh is gone, sort of. Oh, poor, poor Carl. Uh, next, we have an email from okay. Victor DeGrand. This is one of those pivotal episodes where everything changes. The balance of power shifts, like the United States entering World War Two. We also get to see Morden being evil, with a capital E. Of course, we already knew he was evil, but compared to Morden, even Londo and Reefer at their best are just amateurs in the evil department. The shadows seem to be following a divide-and-conquer strategy, but now they are attacking openly. The Volans appear to be their equal, and then some. It was good to see those spiders finally getting a bloody nose. Sheridan was either brave or very foolish to provoke Kosh, and the consequences were both immediate and far-reaching. He has won a battle, but he has lost Kosh. Knowing what comes next, I'm not sure it's a good trade. R.I.P. Kosh. Overall, this was a very strong episode, if only the Franklin Garibaldi storyline hadn't interrupted the flow. I suppose that confrontation had to take place, but for me, it got in the way of a great story. Even so, this one gets nine treacherously evil Mordens out of ten. Nice. Um, thank, thank you, you. Victor. Thanks, Victor. Next is Melanie W. Okay. Hi, down below. A lot ha- a lot happened in this episode, and I don't really know where to start untangling it. Veer's back. Adira's dead. Londo's dealing with Mr. Morden again. That's Dr. Morden. The League of Non-Aligned Worlds is forming an alliance. Kosh is dead, and Franklin has resigned. I don't understand why the episode was unclaimed for so long. I keep forgetting that this is the episode where Franklin resigns. Well, something had to happen in his addiction story, and you might as well have it in the episode where almost everything falls apart in the last 10 minutes. But the voiceover Ivanova was doing in the beginning, it was to be expected. For most of the episode, Londo seemed like he was back in season one. This doesn't last long, and Adira's death seems to send him even further into darkness compared to what we've seen before. Babylon 5 also demonstrates why you shouldn't put someone who is grief-stricken and angry around someone with wish-granting powers. Let the rest of the galaxy burn doesn't seem like something you'd want Mr. Morton to hear. Veer gives Morton his usual response. After their last encounter, why on earth was Morton asking if he could do something to help? And after everything that has happened on, in their relationship, Veer still comes off as loyal to Londo. This episode also marks the end of our Vorlon and the foundation of a new alliance. That alliance seems like the only thing that didn't fall apart by the end of the episode. I wish I could remember what it was like to see this for the first time. 
Rating, 9. Bonus for every scene with beer, 0.5. Final rating, 9.5 carafes of hot jala. Human of the week, Sheridan. Alien, tie between Kosh and Veer. Quotes, Morden. Anything I can do to help? Veer. Short of dying, no, can't think of a thing. Yeah, that was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, Kosh, you do not understand, but you will. Best regards, Melanie, the Krakovian Veer fan. Thanks, Thanks Melanie. Melanie. As always. Thanks, Next, we have an email from Yarsto. Yarsto, you have to come on sometime. Yeah, Yarsto. Oh, yeah. Yarsto says, greetings down below, casters. Here's my feedback for interludes and examinations. As the episode starts, Londo is apparently meeting his tailor. I wonder if Zach has had a Centauri tailor look at his jacket yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe he has been going to the Centauri, and that's why the fit is wrong, because they keep cutting it as if he has Anyway, also in the opening, we see Mr. Morton sneak back on board the station. Ivanova then proceeds to jinx the episode by speculating about nothing further going wrong in the opening narration. The main storyline in this episode, The Battle Against the Shadows, appears optimistic at first. Sheridan managed to persuade Kosh that the Vorlons have come into the fight themselves and the shadows actually lose the battle. But beyond that, everything is spinning into darkness. Morton manages to get to Londo again. Franklin's addiction to stems gets truly out of control, and the shadows take revenge on Kosh. Clearly, there aren't going to be any easy solutions here. Interesting thought. Kosh does what he does because of Sheridan. Does that mean he passes Sebastian's test, willing to die for just one another? Hmm. Fractal. Or isn't that the Vorlon's test? Hmm. Yeah. So the Vorlons can pass their own test fairly easily. <laughs> Factoid, also mentioned in the actor's commentary, Jeffrey Willis learned all of Kosh's lines in the long scene with Sheridan, so Bruce had someone to act against. The voice of Kosh was, of course, added in post-production. Yeah, yeah I forgot about that little um, anecdote. So, yeah, yeah no wonder it, it, that scene works so well, because you've got two actors there. It's not just... Um, Bruce Bock last night and, uh, acting up against a piece of plastic. Yeah, they, they all sounded like they really thought highly of Jeffrey Willard and he was appreciative that he didn't have to, you know, act up with the, um, script supervisor, just supervisor reading the lines. Yeah, and I think that was another reason why, um, a lot of the cast and crew were shocked at Kosh's death because Jeffrey Willard was so dedicated to the part. Quotes, uh, the one about the garters, <laughs> and then there was Beers telling off Morden, uh, Franklin, why, Garibaldi, why did I do it, or why didn't I do it? Characters of the episode, Garibaldi for putting up with Franklin. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Kosh for showing us the third principle of sentient life. Honorable mention, Morden's smile, now illegal in 20 star <laughs> systems. Last thing, trying to sell used spaceships without a license. Yep. Episode rating 40 out of 48, bouquets of star laces. Yarsto from the Oh, Netherlands. thanks, Yarsto. Thanks, Yarsto. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, great bit of feedback. This was a really great thanks. episode. Yeah. It's mail at downbelowpodcast.com if you want to send us feedback, the Facebook page, the uh, website, Twitter, whatever, <laughs> iTunes. 
And happy American Father's Day to everybody, <laughs> all the fathers out there. I don't know what... Norris Father's Day over here at some point. I can't remember whether it's today. I didn't pay attention this year because my dad's out of the country. He's right. um, sailing around the world, so he'll get probably get my e- email if I send it tonight, uh, next week anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't been looking at it. Oh, dear. I'm not bad, so really. Uh, well, you can't escape like the holidays like that here. It's just yeah, retailers and it's all over the place. So I, uh, okay, I'm not gonna <laughs> just saw a headline. Um, okay, well, at least do you want to do predictions? I was gonna say it's just one of you, but there's a lot happening in this episode. So. Next episode, I kind of learned a lesson for the first season. When there was a two-parter, people were like, why don't you do it as one episode? So I think I decided then to do the next two-parter as one episode, even though we've now moved to an earlier time. I'm not sure how we can cram enough. We may have to split up the recording or something. I don't know how we'll do it. We'll figure well, it out. But... Yeah, we, we might have to. But I ended up just deciding to skip a week of recording just so we'll have time to watch it because it takes a little, I don't know, it takes a while just to get ready. And maybe get you, no, 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 I won't even bother to say that because don't worry, sorry, it's late. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the name of the next episode is War Without End. Oh, and it's a two-parter. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's a war. It doesn't end. Um, <laughs> my, de- my dog is getting up. Uh, maybe we find out more about, you know, the, the historical part of the, the war, you know, like the history of the conflict. Um, that'd be cool. I don't know who's going to replace um, Kosh, but I was thinking maybe Lita would be more involved somehow. Um, because she's been vilified and um, <laughs> she's been spent a lot of time there, and we know her already. So maybe she- yeah, Delin did mention the Borlon sending a replacement, mm-hmm. and then who replaced Doctor Morden? I was thinking it was going to be maybe that Doctor we saw this episode, but I don't know. Maybe we won't focus on that anymore because we have a lot of other stuff to worry about. You know, and at one point, how you just said Doctor Morden. Dr. Franklin. <laughs> did I? You did? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Franklin. Sorry, Dr. Franklin. That's funny. We don't want a replacement for Dr. Morton. <laughs> good as he is. Um, unless it's Terrence's wife. Then that'd be cool. Um, yeah, I feel like the we're going to see more about how the size control the ships, maybe in the next couple episodes. Um, in terms of how the site... the that whole thing started and um yeah so that's that's it my short little prediction i will point out that um on the chapter selection menu for this episode there are some pretty big spoilers oh, on yes. it so i don't know if you can have if you're a newbie if you're watching maybe someone else start the dvd or just don't look at the Chapter title. Oh yeah, I usually cover the images. The titles yeah. or the images. They the top left one is okay. The one that you need to start on for chapter one, but the others are kind of mm, even then that gives away something. 
Yeah, I usually try not to like, look, you know. Just but okay, is this one we want to do a commentary for? I would yeah, love you yeah, to yeah, do yeah. a commentary. Yeah. Okay. You can do both or Yeah, he, I mean if you can do both brilliant. But mm-hmm. if you can't, one is fine. Uh yeah, the first. Yeah. But what would be really nice is if you could do both and kind of in between them just either if you could do it in one session before you start yeah. the second episode, do some speculation or before you start your second recording on another day, do some speculation on what you think is going to happen. Whatever you want to do it. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to wait two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Figure it out. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure we could, we could do that. And so we're going we're going to record in two weeks then. Okay. Right. Yeah. I'm happy oh, for that, but I'm looking forward to it. It's, this season has so many episodes in it that <laughs> it's just I've been waiting for us to hit season three. Yeah, this stretch of episodes. Yeah, it's ah, uh, it, it, it's not a spoiler to say I'm enjoying recording at this point. Uh, no, I've enjoyed <laughs> everything I've, else was enjoyed, horrible. But... No, no, no. I've enjoyed <laughs> it before. It's just, it's just so good to finally be able to talk about these things that I've been holding in for so long. Alright, no guests to thank this week. Thanks all the listeners. Yes, thank you everyone. Uh, okay. Oh, we're done. <laughs> I took off. <laughs> be seeing you. Yeah. yeah. Bye. <laughs> Up yours. <laughs> <laughs> Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. <laughs>